Welcome to Netfront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by Jim Thomas of the Post-Dispatch, Tom Timmerman of the Post-Dispatch, and oh my, game two, Jim Thomas. Bit of a difference from game one. I, I just don't remember seeing a team play that much better one game to another and uh, in just stunning fashion. Incredible stuff. It, it really was. And I think we're all disappointed with game one. It was obviously much worse than a three to two overtime loss. I mean, give the blues credit for hanging in there, uh, but to look so bad and then 48 hours looked much better than I thought they'd play. I thought they'd play better, but not, not that much better. So uh, what a series. And, and I guess, and I'm sure we'll get into him later, but I guess the poster child for this drastic improvement is number 50, uh, Jordan Bennington. But yeah, it, uh, boy, what a difference two games make. Yeah, I think through two games, each team is saying, well, we, we had a game in which we didn't play good and a game in which we played really good. And so the game of the series is on even footing, as you'd expect <clears throat> from a 1-1 series. I think both teams can say, here's an example of what we can do to win, an example of what we shouldn't do because we will lose when we do that. Well, JT, I guess I was probably more surprised by Colorado's just uh, almost evaporation, uh, more so than the Blues having a pushback. Of course, the Blues are going to have a pushback. You know, of course, the Chief was going to get mad. Of course, the team leaders were going to step up. Um, you were going to see a pushback. But to see Colorado just like go, eh, it's not feeling it today, as Nathan McKinnon would say. not not feeling it. Jim, it's the playoffs. These guys haven't got out of the second round in a while. This is the year they're supposed to win the, the Stanley Cup. What the heck happened? I think they got tired from all those shots in, in game one. You know, 106, 106 attempts, Jeffrey. 106. I think maybe they were tired and the muscles were sore and, and uh, all the laps, as you would call them, they, they skated around the blue zone. They just, the legs were tired. And yeah, it was, uh, it was surprising to see. I mean, a lot of that was adjustments to... Uh, by, by the Blues. I mean, one big adjustment, you know, winning a faceoff. The Blues went from uh, losing basically two out of three to winning almost two out of three. And obviously, it's hard to have possession of the puck if you don't win uh, win uh, faceoffs. But uh, the Blues were were uh, were were better in the in the, in the wall battles. Uh, they were better with their zone exits, and and uh, uh, you know they got they got they they kind of chipped. Uh, at the uh, 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 at Colorado, just kind of not necessarily uh, like kill shots on hits, but just enough to disrupt their rhythm. Everything that uh, that uh, uh, Barubi said he wanted them to do better, they did. I mean, it was it was just a uh, it was just a tremendous response. It's almost looked like Colorado was taken by surprise. Like, okay, we got this series. We we. Yeah, game two is going to be like game one and it wasn't. And then, okay, we got to, we got to change what we're doing and they couldn't change what they were doing. And they, they generated so little offense in that game that it's uh, you know, they weren't going to win a whole lot of games. And it was two to one fairly late, but um, yeah, they were, you know, they just did not generate much at all. And you have to give the blues credit for keeping them from generating stuff. Well, let's talk about uh, two of the, the heroes that moved front and center. JT, you mentioned Jordan Bennington, and this is not just a, a big story for today, but it's a big story for the next several years. This team committed a lot of money to Jordan Bennington. He seemed to lose his swagger 
during the season. Now he's still unorthodox. He's still doing the human pretzel save. He's still losing a stick. He's still, some pucks are bleeding here and there. It's still an adventure, but a confident Jordan Bennington in goal uh, makes uh, life better today, but also uh, makes Doug Armstrong feel better about the, uh, the next several years. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, he even showed a little bit of his old farm uh, when he kind of chased after uh, uh, the Colorado player. Uh, uh, who was it? Nick Chuskin, uh for, for uh, uh, just clobbering him in the gold crease. So that he didn't, he didn't swing a stick at him. Uh, I guess he reserves that for cadre, but uh, uh, he, he did chase him, you know, clear up into the neutral zone. He wasn't, he wasn't too happy about that. So I guess these are, that's, Add that to the encouraging signs. But how is this possible? I'm just wondering, how is this possible? I think he's among, if not the best uh, goalie in terms of save percentage and uh, and goals against in the playoffs. He, he's in the top two or three when he was what? He's probably 30 or 30. How, how is this change possible? And I know it's still a relatively small sample size, but it's uh, it's what, five games? And he's playing, you know, pretty elite competition in both these seasons. It's just, uh, like I said, it it defies logic. Yeah, I think it comes down to one word, goalies. I just, who knows what's going to happen with these guys? Who's going to be, you know, they're just up and down so drastically. But it's amazing how just the outlook for the Blues, for not just for this season, but for next season, has changed over the past month where you wonder, you know, now there's not probably going to be as big a line for Ville Husso. There will be some offers, but not as many. And the Blues can say, okay, we, we got Bennington and he'll be our goalie next season. And maybe not as desperate for them to re-sign Huso as it would have been, um, you know, in, in April. We know this about next year's team. There's no way this team cannot re-sign David Perron. I mean, yeah, this team's got young guys. Yeah, there's uh, salary cap concerns, big time salary cap concerns. We just talked about one of them, goaltending. But David Prawn, JT, he does not want to play elsewhere. He wants to retire a blue and not anytime soon. You just wonder, you know, they got him really pretty, uh, I would say almost cheaply, you know, four or four million a year. Can they can they even get him for that much this time around? I'm sure there were there would be teams or will be teams in the open market that will pay him more than four million a year now they may not give him the term that he may want but uh you know god if he's 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 showing no signs of slowing down i know maybe we all wondered a little bit when it took him a while to come back from that concussion but he was out about 10 11 games with that concussion and then was a little slow at the start but uh uh once he got going he got you know the 27 goals what is he 33 27 goals second highest of his career in the regular season and now he's got seven in, in eight games. Uh, he, he's the first uh, Blues player to do that. Uh, in the playoffs, <clears throat> seven goals in the first eight games since Shane Corson. Do you have a good Shane Corson story for me, uh, Gordo, or no? Does he, oh, he well, uh, to, to, to about the time he gave a bartender, I think it was at Maggie's, a thousand bucks, or let's see, what was the deal? If he cut his hair or something like that, I mean, just sort of like on the spot, uh, spot bet. And I think he actually got thrown out of Maggie's, which is difficult to do. Um, there are a lot of Shane Corson stories. Like he couldn't see, uh, when he played and, but you know, that didn't, that was a problem. It turned out, but he, he played basically blind because he, you know, obviously not going to wear glasses. I guess he didn't wear contacts, but his teammates complained because he couldn't see. So yeah, Shane. Yeah. Good memories. 
Apparently he could see his way uh, to, to get that shot to the, uh, to, to, to the net, but yeah, yeah. Somehow they got to find a way. I think the blues, uh, this, this is even, uh, this is deducting the, uh, the Tyler Bozak uh, uh, bonus fund, which, uh, you know, could kick in. What's he got left Tom about another hundred thousand. If they win 150,000, if they win this round. Yeah. So, so he's that, already, what, he's already cost him on is it, it's over a million against this year's cap. Yeah, uh, 1.1. I think it's so his bonus. Tyler Bozak has wiped out the all by himself the the one million extra that the the cap was going to get boosted next year. But even saying that, I think the the Blues still have about ten million. I think it's like ten or eleven million of of cap space uh, next year, and they've got to decide how to allocate that with with Huso. Uh, you have to, yeah, you absolutely have to bring uh, uh, bring. Uh, Peron back. I mean, could maybe they could even afford to lose who? So uh, uh, I think if if Bennington, if he just finishes this out well, uh, uh, no matter how far the Blues go, they'll, they'll at least have maybe a sense. Okay, it looks like he's he's back. He's he's ridden out the storm, and you could probably get by with Chucky Sideburns as your backup for a year. He's still playing in Springfield. He's had a fabulous year there. Hofer probably needs another year, but but he's he's you know, coming down the pipeline and got a lot of much needed experience there. And so, you know, maybe you let Huso go to bring back, uh, to bring back uh, Peron. And maybe there's a way, as, as Tom mentioned, uh, Huso, you know, had he been doing what Bennington's doing right now, my gosh, his price would be, we would be jumping every day, but uh, maybe they can get him back, you know, uh, a little more reasonably now. Yeah, going into this year, I thought they would offer Perron, if he did well, another an identical contract, another two years, four million each. And then as this season went on, I thought, well, they're not going to give him two years because it looks like you know the the shelf life is is slowing down. But the way he's finishing, I think you would feel comfortable giving him another two year deal. Um, you know, and and that you know, I don't know that at this point, Dave Perron's going to get more than two years from anybody just because of his age, but. Yeah, is he looking at another two-year, four million dollar per year contract? I mean, that would seem reasonable to me. Um, but that's going to be, you know, that's that's money that they've got to fit under the cap. Make the deal, Tom. If okay, you make the deal. I'm comfortable, well, and I don't know if I'm, I'm. I guess I'm a little uncomfortable, and that's the the Doug Armstrong requirement. You have to be both comfortable and uncomfortable. Right. Right. Well, we know that uh, Jake Friendly Neighbors is going to be uh, having a regular role next year, but. We, what we really know is Alexei Tarpchenko. Oh my, you know, I've just had to turn, turn in my, obviously it's been weeks since I've had, I've had a chance to wear my Clem Costin sweater out in public, but uh, he's clearly number 65 is, uh, is number one in the heart of uh, Craig Berube and many others. Uh, you know, that sequence against the, the Lanch where he is fighting off two four checkers and then had Cadre come in as the third guy and he noticed that, and he, he got the puck safely out of harm's way behind his own net against three guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's, it's a little thing, but it's a big thing. And he can make a living doing that, you know, being a big guy that can work the boards, make the occasional move to the net, run into people. Uh, JT, uh, the Chief gave him uh, better than 10 minutes in a, in a you know, really critical game against a really good opponent. Uh, high praise for, for the young man. Yeah, he still has Chief still has the man crush on Alexei. That that hasn't changed. And I don't know if the Baruby has a maybe, you know, when he's tinkering around the uh, condo in St. Louis if he's got a Torbchenko jersey, but he he just he just might. I mean, we ne we never know, but uh uh 
I think uh, Alexei's seen the last of the AHL. I mean, again, we, we've talked about how he, he's not really a polished scorer, but, you know, he, he, he could be a fourth liner, you know, all the live long day, I think, with the, uh, the Blues. The amazing thing to me, he's 22. Okay, he's 22 years old. He's a youngster. He's a big youngster. Robert Thomas is still the youngest Blues player. I mean, Robert Thomas has been with the Blues for four years now, and he's still the youngest player by a week. He's a week uh, younger than uh, uh, Alexei Torpchenko. Yeah, it's just something to have a guy that wasn't figuring in the team's plans much for this season come in, and whenever Baruby's got to make a call on the fourth line, well, should I play Logan Brown? Nah, should I play Nathan Walker? It is Alexei Torpchenko. I mean, to the point where I don't think he's, you know, even considering options anymore. It is Torovchenko when he fills out the lineup card uh, every day and other people will have to fit in around him. And this is a guy that, you know, we thought was maybe a year away and this would happen next year. And he got that call up and it was goodbye, Clem Costin and everybody else. And he is, he has just taken over and he's, he's on this team now. Chief said, uh, surprisingly, uh, was it yesterday, I think, after the morning skate, he had been considering moving Torpchenko up to the third line. Third line? <laughs> We're talking about the top nine, the land of all the 20 goal scorers. That's how highly he thinks about him. He was thinking of moving him up to, to the third line. But, JT, if you look at it, and I had this come up in the chat, which I'm just wrapping up on stltoday.com. So if you're wondering why I'm not answering your question, I'm – we're taping the podcast at the moment, but um, the, if you look at it, you know, you, Ivan Barbashev played like two minutes more. And um, I think of five on five. And of course he had some PK time. So if you take, you know, Alexei, just in terms of his five on five time, you know, he didn't get any power play, didn't get a penalty mm-hmm. kill, played a, played close to a third line role. I mean, not typically a third liner will have some responsibility on one of those specialty teams, if not both. So, you know, he didn't get the normal five-minute fourth-line treatment, right? He's yeah. he's sort of – and then, you know, when you slide a really good winger down on that with that group, it's a third line. You know, it, it just is. If you, you you know, because effectively the Chief with an 11-7 has, has balanced up his lines. And, and in a sense, now he's rolling uh, a lot of guys at the Avalanche, and, and he's able, JT, to mix up his groups. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy to get into that uh, chief Baruby kind of circle of trust, we'll call it. But boy, once you get his trust, uh, he will reward you with the playing time. And it looks like uh, Tarpchenko is certainly, you know, taking steps in that direction. Yeah. You know, we talk about uh, Costin's chance that may have passed. And I just wonder what, how Barbashev fits into this team going forward. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing. Is this the time to, and I'm not going to be looking to the off season while we're tied one, one in the second round, but you wonder, you know, how, how does Barbashev fit into this? Is he ever going to, you know, is he going to have seasons like this consistently? I don't know about that. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about it, his name came up too in our live chats. And I think, um, you know, and I don't know that I'd put him down as a big disappointment in the postseason. I think what he did during the regular season, uh, was his outlier season to Tom's point. Now you're going to, will he ever do this again? I, I think it's unlikely. He shot like 23%. Fantasy hockey guys will tell you that nobody shoots 23%. I mean, that was a fluke. Um, so what you do is you look at a guy that's going to command a lot of money on his next contract, you know, and he's going to have some value coming off a of peak here. And you've only got so many guys. 
And again, Jake Neighbors has got to play in here somewhere. And Dropchenko's made his case. You've got Logan Brown to be an extra forward. You don't want to, you know, Ivan's going to play. So you got your back end covered. You got some other young guys, Dakota Joshua can bang around. I mean, you just kind of look at it, man. And it's, uh, it, it's, yeah, I mean, JT, it's, uh, if Ivan wants a place in this group next year, you know, it's, he's got to get on the horse. Yeah. Yeah. He certainly, uh, he certainly does. And he, you know, he's been hitting people a little bit, but it just, it just hasn't been there, but I'm, I think there's uh, of, of the, uh, the infamous top nine, aren't there still like four of the top nine, help me out here, guys that, that have not scored in the playoffs, right? Shen doesn't have a playoff goal. Buchnevich doesn't have a playoff goal. Barbashev doesn't have a playoff goal. And who's the fourth one? Thomas, Thomas doesn't. So a little weird. And I know at this point, as Tarasenko so aptly puts it, it doesn't matter who does what it's just win, win in advance. And, that those words uh, have, uh, have made an impact on the players. So Torpchenko mentioned it the other day that uh, uh, when we talked to him, just that the Vlad- Vladimir is just hit home that, that, that it's, it's just, it's all about the, the W's and, and not necessarily individual glory, but uh, yeah. And you know, who knows, maybe neighbors and he's missed some time. He's still playing. They're, they're in their uh, Western conference uh, semifinals. Uh, Western Hockey League semifinals. So he's still playing. And, uh, uh, you know, he had some shoulder injuries, but who knows, maybe he doesn't come in and have the, anywhere near the preseason. But uh, I, I got to tell you, I, that that knock you just heard is Zachary Bullduke. Uh, he's still playing. And if you throw in his playoff goals with his regular, he's over 60 goals now. They're in there. I think they're in the uh, Quebec League uh, semifinals. And, and if Bullduke isn't there, Next year, I would think he would certainly be uh, be a blue the following year. Yeah, it's it's got to be encouraging for the Blues to have these young guys waiting and playing well down there with a chance to to step in. And you know, after Game Three of the Minnesota series, and you're wondering, well, if this doesn't pan out, you know, how do they rebuild this team? And or do those guys, you know, would definitely be with the team, or you have a lot better chances? But now all of a sudden you, you you build this team in a different way, especially if they continue to have success against Colorado. Right. So um, speaking of guys who haven't scored, I've got to uh, raise a complaint here. So, you know, Robert Thomas. So the one time he comes in, tremendous break opportunity, does, you know, his edge work thing. He is loaded up. He is in home, in home plate. He is loaded up. It's him. And, uh, you know, it's just him and the shot. I mean, he, he, he yeah, there's a, a teammate over on the, over on the, to his immediate, right. Of course, the defender's playing the pass, right? Of course he is. It's just him. He's all day. He's, he's got it measured. <laughs> I mean, and we, we've seen, you know, some issues with shots just going into the goal uh, during this mm-hmm. game and he didn't shoot. I mean, <sighs> I had to get that complaint out because, I mean, it was like, oh, my God, if you that was like one of the all-time great scoring opportunities compared to Kairou shooting a puck that got deflected by the D-man, caught a break there, or Perron shooting it off the bottom of the, the catching glove. I mean, that was a chance. JT, you guys once again try to get him aside and talk to him. Uh, when you started down the path of your, uh, your, your vending here, Jeff, I thought you were going to mention, I did hear you, JT. From Denver, shouting, shoot it. I actually, during that sequence, I couldn't help myself. I just said, shoot it. Shoot the puck. But he didn't. Now, 
before this game, I thought the tail end of Minnesota in game one, he's starting to get some opportunities. And even the Barubi said, Hey, it's coming for him. He, he's going to, he's going to score goals. Well, he's, he's still not. And uh, uh, you know what? I don't know if we could say he struggled, but he, he's kind of leveled off in the playoffs. Now, listen, we all appreciate what Shen did in the Minnesota series, really keeping things on us physically, but you, you know, you'd like to see him pop in one every now and then and Buchnevich. Okay. He hasn't scored, but I think he's got about seven assists or something. He is, you know, contributing. And I like, you know, again, I don't have quite the trained eyes of some of you guys, but I love watching him. Uh, I want Buchnevich play defense. I almost gave him a third place vote for the Selkie. He's playing very, very good, uh, defense, but, uh, 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 I, I hate to go against the Tarasenko edict of, Hey, it's just all about the W's. It would be nice because you can't count on Perron to score like two goals every game or O'Reilly. What he got, he got, what was it? Five games in a row. He tied a franchise uh, postseason record. He has a goal a game. What if those guys get shut down? So, uh, you, you'd like to see these guys contribute. Yeah. All I know is if I was in that situation, Robert Thomas was in, I would have shot the puck. Uh, it would have been probably the easiest save Gerard makes in, in a in a season, but I'd have shot that puck. And I think everybody in the hockey world watching was going to shoot that puck, except uh, Robert Thomas. Um, you know, it's it, it is as the cliche as old as time is that you just need one to start to get hot. I think any of these guys can get hot. I think we've seen Shen do that a lot, where when the goals come, they come. Uh, and so they're that, you know, they're always that close to getting some offense going, um, but they got to get it going at some point. Gardo, what do you think the radar gun would have on that Tom Timmerman uh, wrist shot? 20, 30 miles an hour? What do you think? Are you speechless? Uh, he would have had time to wind up from there. See, Tom, you know. Because, Slapper, huh? Yeah, because Robert had actually put himself in the shooting position where he could have taken at least a snapshot, if not a full windup. So, I mean, you know, let, let's give Tom some credit here. Uh, I think he could have gotten something off. All right, so let, let's shift over to the defensive side because that truly was uh, an, an impressive performance in terms of clogging things up, uh, marking the avalanche, uh, staying with uh, the, the the Gerards and the uh, McKinnons and McCars as they're, as they're doing their, you know, bursting and, and looping and doing their thing. Uh, really just... You know, I thought, you know, two things. One, they kept them out of their transition game. But, man, they did some really good marking up and just man-to-man marking up in the offensive zone when mm-hmm. Colorado had a chance to sustain pressure. The Blues were not peeling off. They, they were uh, they were staying on the puck. Yeah, they really were. And Baruby had specific praise along those lines, Jeffrey, for for the big three. Uh, at least the big three is, is this now of Letty, Falk, and Pareko, just their play. And, boy, what a what a difference uh, Letty makes out there. But we saw late in the game, uh, Mikola was playing late with the, you know, the kind of the game still on the line. So uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Chief having some uh, some faith and some trust in uh, uh, Mikola. And, and, you know, Rosen's held up. You know, if you listen carefully enough to – Baruby, I think the the one thing he loves is skating, a good shot, a good puck movement, good passer. It's being stout physically in front of the net or anywhere. And Rosen has held up. He hasn't really been a uh, a liability. And uh, you know, 
Bartuzzo is Bartuzzo, a slap shot. Okay, yeah, I'll put my head in front of it. I'll I'll, I'll block the shot. So you know, it, it, it really strong uh, uh, defensive uh, showing. And uh, as you said, <laughs> they were they were much better at you know uh, being roadblocks for for that transition game, that that amazing transition game of the Avalanche. I think the when the at the trade deadline when Nick Letty was acquired. I didn't expect that he would become this pivotal a player in the Blues situation, but I don't know where they would be without him uh, right now. Just with the injuries they've had, when you take out Krug and Scandella, Letty, who was, you know, going to get a chance to play, is getting a big chance and is and is certainly contributing. And I think that's been something. You know, if they don't make that trade, you know, I guess Jake Wallman's playing now, uh, but they're, you know, I don't know if they go eleven seven. You know, if if this trade doesn't happen, because you, and you could you fit in Oscar Sundquist? I mean, it's all a lot of things are different. But the contribution and just having Letty around and what he can do, what he can bring to the team, I've, has been indispensable. And I'm going to throw one more applauded out there it's, because it's not the most important thing that he does by a long shot. Uh, going back to Colton Pareko, who's not a borderline train killer, is not running over people, all those sorts of things. But um, to show you how far, how much healthier he is uh, this time around than before. I mean, he was, he, he shot the puck with some authority too, on top of everything else he did. He, uh, he, he when he saw a window there, he saw an avenue, he, he, he put some pucks through, which again, you need to do. I mean, he didn't come close to scoring particularly, but um, he asserted himself and, uh, and, you know, everybody's got to do their part. You never know, uh, you know, against Darcy Kemper, uh, a couple of shots that probably shouldn't have got in, got in. You just keep, keep firing. Yeah, yeah, and they're on net, which isn't always the case with uh, with Colton Pareko. No, it was good to see Falk was putting some shots on that, and uh, sometimes it's easy enough with all the attention that uh, we we give to, and deservedly so, to the top nine to to forget about the defense and the need to have that extra layer of scoring. When all was said and done, the Blues ended up fifth in the league in in goal scored. Now, well behind Colorado's D, but fifth in the league in defensive goal scored. And so you need those guys to, 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 to continue to, to uh, uh, chip in. And yeah, that, that was, that was good to see with Perico. And I'll tell you this, Rosen isn't shy about shooting it. I mean, he, he put a couple on that uh, 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 last night. And uh, uh, again, like you said, I mean, to me, Kemper is still kind of an unproven playoff goalie and uh, you just don't know, you know, when, when you'll get a rebound or what, what might happen. I mean, uh, we see when Colorado's at its best, boy, they just funnel pucks to the net. Yeah, the 11-7 magic is something. I mean, over the past, you know, 10 years, I, you know, we may have seen the Blues have to go 11-7, you know, once a year, maybe. And now that it just becomes this accepted standard and it's and it's worked out well for them. And that, that's amazing. I mean, it's just like it used to be this fluky thing. And now. You know, it's it's one of their keys to winning, and it's bizarre. I mean, they're playing seven defensemen so that they can get Callie Rosen and Scott Perunovich in the lineup. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, you would think at some point, okay, you, you know, we can get twelve forwards and Callie Rosen will sit, but no, you like having Callie Rosen out there. It, it's all it's it, some minds boggle easier than others, but it's mind boggling to me. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we haven't seen as much of Perunovich because there haven't been a lot of penalties in this series. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he's done okay on, uh, you know, in five-on-five play, just playing defense. He drew a tripping penalty that uh, 
Did that start the sequence of the five on three? I think it did. Was that the first yeah. penalty? Yeah. yeah. And uh, but I think it's also uh, a recognition of Baruby knowing, well, let me get my best players on the ice and get them on the ice as much as possible. And the strength of this team, again, is the top nine. So playing 11-7, you know, gives a top nine, whether it's just a couple shifts or, or, or whatever, gives them a little more ice time. So that, that's another thing that, that, that factors into it. And again, speaks to kind of the underrated nature of uh, Baruby as kind of a strategist or, or a guy, uh, you know, making in-game changes. I believe last night, I think my math is right, 21st game. Almost one out of four games they've gone 11-7 are played with less than 12 forwards. I think there was one game where they were so short, like in that uh, between Thanksgiving and New Year period where they played 11-6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I don't know what the NHL record is, but this has got to be pushing it for just teams using it. Because usually it's because, you know, you got a case where you got an injured guy coming back or you're short a forward, but – Cap issues. You got cap yeah. issues. Yeah. Yeah. But the blue blues could easily, there's no reason they can't go 12, uh, 12, six, but no, it's 11, uh, seven. And, and you got a feel for Logan Brown. I mean, here, I mean, <laughs> the guy, he's out there taking warm ups and, and, but it's like, sorry, we're going to go with, we'd rather have these guys than you, Logan. Sorry. And Nathan Walker, the dude yeah. scored a hat trick for you during the, uh, <laughs> during the season, but uh, up against those uh, Redwoods uh, of the wild, uh, what was it after a couple of games, the uh, chiefs and I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about this. Well, you know, those guys are, they've got to stay awake because they're just one rancid enchilada that one of their teammates <laughs> eats away from uh, getting in the, uh, in, in the action. Right. So uh, just, uh, uh, by the way, I think I, I saw rancid uh, enchilada open up for a social distortion at pops once there. It was quite a show. So, um, well, that's it for this edition of Netfront Presence. I want to thank Tom Timmerman, Jim Thomas. They're busy getting right back to work with their coverage in the Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. Reminder that you can catch all of their great coverage and more videos, podcasts, all kinds of stuff that we do in sports on our website. If you don't have a digital subscription, please get one to get full value out of us. Uh, don't forget the print edition. we got lots of great stuff coming up in the Sunday paper. So until next time, for Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. See ya.